0: This is The Fucking Normal Podcast. The cheers, tears and Friday night beers of parenting disabled children. I'm Rena,
1: And I'm Lauren. And we're both mothers to daughters with special needs. Parenting a disabled child can often feel difficult to navigate. If this is you, you're not alone. We're here to share unique parenting stories and chat about the things that we've learnt and are still learning. Prepare to sometimes laugh, sometimes cry, but hopefully leave with a shot
0: of optimism in your arm. And don't forget, we are talking from a parent's perspective. We would never presume to talk on behalf of a disabled child or adult. So expect bad language and, quite frankly, some brutal honesty.
2: Because really, what the fuck is normal anyway?
1: Wake me up loud as clouds. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Fucking Normal Podcast. I'm Rena
0: And I'm Lauren.
1: And today's episode is all about extreme juggling. I think that's a much better descriptor than finding a work-life balance. Of course, all parents struggle to juggle work and raising a child, but raising a child with disabilities has a whole load of added pressure. You've got to juggle finding suitable childcare, organising hospital visits and therapies, which, let's face it, are often right in the middle of the day. And let's not get into all the unpaid care work a parent is often doing outside of their paid job. It brings it home just how difficult it is when you're looking at the stats. For example, a report showed that a third of parents of disabled children are not working, and of those, 40% have been out of work for more than five years in comparison only 17 percent of people with dependents i.e non-disabled and disabled children are not working another survey of 900 parents found that two-thirds of parents declined a promotion or accepted a demotion just to balance care and work commitments and finally and most shocking of all is the DWP's findings that it costs on average three times as much to raise a child with a disability as it does a child without any special needs before we introduce our guest, I just want to flag that today's episode contains quite a lot of acronyms relating to
2: education and hospitals, as well as terminology around different seizures and seizure types. Though no doubt familiar to some listeners, we have put a little glossary in the show notes to help clarify these where we haven't done so sufficiently during the conversation. Enjoy the episode. And
0: our guest today is our friend, the lovely Helen Gamble Shields, who I'm delighted has agreed to join us on the podcast. Originally from Ireland, Helen is mum to six-year-old Finn, who has a rare genetic condition called Dravet syndrome. It's a potentially life-limiting form of epilepsy. And from the age of four months, Finn has had complex seizures of varying lengths, which are difficult to manage with medication, and have all too often resulted in trips to A&E. He will not grow out of the seizures. This is a lifelong condition. Uh, Dravet syndrome often brings with it other challenges, from physical to developmental and behavioural. And I understand that Finn recently also had a diagnosis of autism. He is the most beautiful and affectionate boy. um, And I can attest to how gorgeous and brilliant his cuddles are, having been lucky enough to have some. They live in North London with Finn's dad and Helen's husband, Marcus. Helen is also, in the context of this topic is kind of important to mention, Helen is also an architect, as is Marcus, I believe. And her and Marcus both work full time. Helen returned to work after a period of maternity, and obviously has ridden the roller coaster of extreme jugg- juggling since then. Um, so I'm really grateful that she's agreed to tell us about that. Welcome to the podcast, Helen. Thank Thank so. Hello, hello. <laughs> welcome, Thanks,
3: welcome, guys. Welcome. Thank you. That was a really lovely introduction. <laughs> I'm <laughs> going to start, mind you, and tell you that Marcus is a landscape architect and he takes it very very seriously that he's a landscape architect um but yeah thank you so much no 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 problem no problem he'll be he'll be be absolutely fine neither with correction Uh, (laughs) i mean that's pretty close most people's husbands and partners i like i've got it we are definitely in the same business put it like that we off we actually do do some projects together so uh yeah it's got the word
2: architect in it you do the house and then he does the outside
3: how are you Me, I'm, I'm pretty good today. Yeah, I've been, uh, I'm I'm actually doing really well this week. Last week was a little bit difficult because Finn had a whole bunch of seizures around the middle of the week. um, And I was trying to yeah, go to work, get Finn to school while he just wasn't really that well. And then also my parents came at the end of last week for the weekend, which was actually very good. However, yeah, it just adds another dimension, I suppose, to the week that you've just you've just had. But yeah, no, this week, a little bit calmer. My folks left yesterday. Finn's in really good form. And um, I think he's just gone to sleep. So
2: uh oh, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> been great. Well, that leaves quite nicely, Helen. Why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of you and your career and pre babies? What was your life like pre-babies?
3: pre babies? Pre pre babies. Um so I've been an architect's suppose. Tw- nearly 20 years so yeah i know exactly that's how old i am rena Showing your age <laughs> i know exactly, exactly you do not look your age thank you very much rena thank you i moved to london about 18 years ago so i've been working for the same company since then so i guess i'm pretty wow. i'm pretty established in that company so i'd be in the kind of the higher level management i run quite my, most of my own projects and have teams that work with me so i guess in terms of architecture i'm doing okay but i actually just really love the profession i just really love i love the challenges i love the challenges of the different projects and seeing the you know the work from inception to completion and then the uh, the little arguments with the contractors as you go along and that kind of thing so yeah <laughs> i had finn in my mid to late 30s so i'd gone through a career up until that point and i think my career was and is probably still quite important for me but obviously having a child is a massive change and then having the the shock and the you know the massive change to your life that having a child with quite severe disabilities and complex condition you know that is a a bit of a juggernaut into how you manage your life and how you manage your work and I guess it totally changes your priorities as well right (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah when he was born you know, there was no real signs of anything until he was four months. And then he had a, a seizure. It was a long, complex seizure. And um, you know that initially was a big shock. The seizures kept coming. You know, they kept coming. I'm not saying they, you know, he had one that month. Then he had one so many weeks ago. And in between that point, I think actually I realised I'm quite an optimistic person. People said to me, um, it's, you know, children grow out of it. It could be a one-off. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that was the line I just, I, I took that. I went, all right, it's a one-off. And then when it kept on, you know, they kept, they came again, maybe about three weeks later, another one. And then, you know, they started to develop like that. And then you suddenly realized this was a, a condition. A long-term. Potentially a long-term condition. um Like yourself, like both of you. He does have a genetic condition. It did need to be diagnosed. However with his Dravet syndrome, um, there's only certain types of epilepsy, I guess, that come sporadically. And that's quite common for Dravet children to start to have a seizure at that point. And they also have long seizures. So that first seizure with within was over 20 minutes long. And people have said, oh, maybe it's a febrile seizure. Well, you don't get, feb- apparently, you don't really get febrile seizures below six months. And then obviously, obviously, people said, you know, it's likely it's he'll grow out of it and things like that. But mm. actually he suddenly followed, he was following a pattern. He also then, he had tonic clonics, but they'd switch from side to side. And there was various different indicators that suggested it was Drabi syndrome. Um, however, obviously we don't give you that diagnosis until they have that genetic confirmation. Which took how long? <laughs> took 16 weeks nearly actually. Yeah. But yeah. by which point, We have been in so many hospitals, we've been admitted to the Royal Free so many times. We'd um, also had, he'd had status seizures several times as well. So that's when he, a status seizure means, you know, the seizure is a tonic-clonic. It goes on for more than 30 minutes. 30 minutes is the general, the cutoff point. So um, it goes on for longer than 30 minutes, at which point it can um, start to affect the rest of the organs in the in the body obviously so you can get you know things start to slow down breathing can become you know can become subdued and things like that um we were really lucky with finn actually in that he was actually quite robust because he actually generally dealt with the breathing okay whereas a lot of other children with drab they actually you know they have to have oxygen immediately um, whereas we didn't quite have to get to that but obviously you know it was always you had to phone the ambulance and things like that and then you had to get to recess but yeah this was the status seizures and then um yeah he also got intubated um once as well so that how we had to go to the um we had to go to the evelina we got transferred you don't realize things like uh there's no um, pediatric intensive care unit in some hospitals, right? You don't realize right. until until you need, you it, need right? it, you need it, <laughs> until you yeah. need it. We were in the intensive care unit for quite a few days with him at that point, and then we got transferred to the neurology ward. And um, yeah, I remember over here in this pediatric, she was a professor at the consultant. She literally said, "They, it's a strong suspicion that he has Dravet syndrome, yet we didn't have a diagnosis." And I kind of thought, "You bitch." <laughs>
0: Yeah, you didn't anyway, want to hear that. Yeah, that I didn't too. need to no. I didn't need
3: to I didn't need to hear that at that particular point in time and obviously how it's old
0: not was Finn confirmed.
3: at this point? Finn was um probably about six months when he had his first kind of intubation episode. Um and then he had he was he had to go to um intensive cares four times through intubation but um he kind of became a bit used to hanging out with anaesthetists um you know, trying to decide whether or not he needed to be intubated and needed to be transferred or whether the seizure was going to stop. He was definitely had a, you know, gold membership card at the Royal Free at that yeah. point. You know, <laughs> at, that, at that point. And the ambulances and par- paramedics, you know, that was all. We just, we we would have like paramedic parties in our living room, you know, several nights a week or, you know, where you'd just get, you get the, the paramedic specialist would arrive, then you'd get the, um, you maybe get the you know, the rapid response vehicle would have arrived, and then you get the actual full on ambulance. I know I'm ta- you know we this is something I think that a lot of parents that have children that have very complex conditions like this, you know, they they experience. Um, I mean, but, not everybody, and I th- I think don't dismiss
0: it, and don't say that it's something you get used to, but clearly it's not something that you should ever get used to. And you, the emotion in your voice,
3: yeah, going back there tough. is clear. Yeah, yeah, it was really it was really really tough yeah like the oh hell i see just somewhere where you don't want to be you know because there's just very very sick children yeah. um and there's a lot of people that are very very emotional you know as you would expect but it's just one of those things you suddenly find yourself going through right um and you, you don't not, think you just you go just go right just you just go, go. You're, you're in go.
0: survival mode yeah. yeah you're just
3: in survival mode aren't you, you just friggin here i am you're like standing in a corridor watching this consultant like you know who looks literally drained from what you you know just had to treat your child and you're just like fuck <laughs> what's just you know what is actually happening you know um
2: but, this, but the way that you describe it says so much about your personality and just your positivity and i think that's probably what got you through it and got you to a point where you were like okay This is just how it's going to happen right now, and I need to get. Yeah,
3: you just had. You've got this tiny little baby, and you just have to get on. It up, right? Yeah, yeah. She's got to keep going, (laughs) keep on trucking, or whatever the whatever the fuck you say, right? You just got to. Yeah, you got to keep keep on going because, like, he's going to come out of that seizure, and he's just going to be this little baby that wants fed and wants to have it. He just wants mommy. He wants his daddy. You know he wants to go for a walk and, you know, do, do, do whatever else, you know, but um yeah, yeah, it was, it was just really constant. You possibly don't need to read the words catastrophic or life limiting or plateauing developmentally or, um you know, ataxic words you don't even understand, right? So you're like, ataxic, what does that mean? Oh, right. Balance, you know, balance. Yeah. Issues.
2: Yeah. I didn't, you know, I did, I didn't Google it. I Because of that fear of like, shit, I'm going to read something really fucking shit and then I'm going to be so depressed and it's going to just. So what I did being fucking millennial on Instagram, I searched Noonan syndrome on Instagram and it was probably the best thing I ever did. Well, because, that's quite a nice thing to do. Yeah. I saw kids with the syndrome who were living fabulous life. Yes, bear in mind, it's Instagram and you're posting like the best part of your day. But maybe that's kind of what you need to see. Me yeah Yeah, it was just what I needed to see and I think I followed like every Noonan syndrome child's account on Instagram and I would be obsessed I'd go on there all the time so once Finn was born obviously you go on maternity yeah how did you what was your kind of your trajectory back into work because you're obviously working full-time now and you have been for a couple of years I imagine what was that like once Finn was born and how did you manage that
3: Marcus you know he wanted to be you know, like most dads want to be you know, very involved. And I think shared parental leave had just come in shortly before we'd had Finn. And uh, that was our intention that I would do nine months and Marcus would do three or four months, whatever we could afford. We are in the uh, landscape and architecture business, right? Landscape architecture. <laughs> <laughs> um, we actually only get statutory. We don't have, cause they're mostly small, you know, small to medium businesses. We only get statutory um, maternity and shared parental leave um, money. So um, we only had a certain level of finances and then we had to try and get back to work because we had a mortgage to pay, finances to pay, a small child to, you know, look after. So we had intended to do the nine months and the three months. Basically, it was just how unwell Finn was. I think I did an extra month maternity. So I think I did, I did 10 months and then Marcus looked after him for, three months we also realized we couldn't put Finn in with a child minder and we couldn't afford a, a nanny we definitely had no idea what a special needs nanny cost and we didn't need to know and <laughs> mm. um, so our only option then was let's look at the nurseries so I kind of thought they just wouldn't be interested or were they capable or what they would offer kind of thing but I did go to see a couple and actually, they all were very much like oh well that sounds okay inspired you with confidence or yeah yeah well he'll probably grow out of it as well well i was going i probably won't but um <laughs> but yeah they seemed to be open and then um we find a nursery around the corner from our house that were willing and actually she the manager she had had a relative that had epilepsy so she had a big Uh, a bit of an understanding of it and it was you know a a family member had had epilepsy so she was relatively open to it Um, and I explained you know Finn had an epilepsy community nurse that could come and do the training and with her we got a place for Finn we got a place place for Finn and um, to be honest with you he absolutely loved that nursery and his key worker was the senco, and I think that was the first time I just met you know I don't know kind of on your journey you meet these people don't you that are like literally saints or angels Mm. they're so caring they're so loving and here's your little child and they're looking after him did that mean you
0: could go back to work then when he was so I could go back to
3: work yeah so in fairness we did do the shared parental leave so I did go back to work while Marcus had him for a couple of months right and I think actually that made it easier because Mm -hmm. I knew Marcus was with him you know, I could trust him. And you did just feel, you just felt much better knowing that, you know, yeah, you were in work and yeah, he might need to call you, but he had Finn and he could look after him and Finn was was safe with him. You know, he knew what to do. And then, you know, then it was time for Finn to go to nursery, which was, you know, it was another another step. But I guess I just didn't have that full separation.
0: It phased you in a bit. In yeah, a bit exactly. I think yeah. it's very difficult for any working parent leaving my children in in a nursery setting and going back to work for the first Mm -hmm. time like yeah I went back to work after maternity with my eldest Olivia who people who don't know or haven't listened to another episode of the podcast um is nearly two years older than than B, who has special needs and when I went back to work the first day that I was back in work and she was at nursery she was bit on the face by an older child yeah nursery which you know it it happens right it's like it's one of those things and but like way to make you feel comfortable going back to work to get that phone call on the first day I was just obviously like fast forward a few years it might have been B that had been doing the biting to someone else so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. (laughs) it's you know it's different stories but um yeah I just think that I can I can imagine at least you know at the very least that staging of having that time when Finn was with Marcus must have been somewhat helpful in terms of settling into the work environment.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah def- definitely. It, it just really kind of did help because you could phone him at any point, right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> and he'd be yeah, texting right.
3: you. I'm on the What post. was it
0: like then when you went back and that wasn't the case? And you, so how was the juggling or extreme juggling as we've named it yeah. um, once Finn was in, in nursery? And Talk us through some of the challenges that you encountered.
3: So yeah, I suppose in that that first year, then was bit, it was actually pretty challenging. In that, um, at that point, Finn, you know, Finn's emergency protocol for a seizure was to give midazolam immediately. Somebody else was thrown in the ambulance; they'd phone us, um, and generally we would go immediately to the nursery, um, which was by our house. So I'd basically just leave work, which, you know, I would just go, right, I'm sorry, I've got to go.
2: How how was work? Because obviously you'd been there for a while, but before you'd had Finn, so you already had some sort of standing in the company. Were they quite understanding of the situation? Or after a while, were they like, right, you're going to have to...
3: They were pay- actually, I mean, I would go there absolutely, they were brilliant. Um, in that they would go, yeah, you've clearly got to go and. In- this is clearly your priority right and I think also I was very aware that I did not want to take the piss I knew it was a business would not want to be taking advantage of a business I suppose they were actually just brilliant right so I would I would have to go and I would just go and I could be there for a for like a day maybe you know I might have to go to the hospital stay overnight and then you know maybe come in so I might like take my phone I might take my my laptop um and just go and then I would try and maybe check in later kind of thing and I have been there a long time and I kind of knew what I was doing and I had some really good team members and my in fairness to my directors they were really good I mean I had kind of thought about going back and do you know before I thought oh I could do five days and four but mm. actually I suddenly realized I can't do five days and four I have to have the five days because I need complete flexibility to be able to get my hours done because if I was trying to cram hours into four days Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to achieve that over some of that period I would have taken some leave I might have taken a holiday day or I might have taken a bit of unpaid leave struggling here I can't make this up you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) I or or I actually need a holiday Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know we need to go to Ireland yeah, I needed just, to be flexible. I needed to be able to have that ability to just, you know, work potentially from the hospital a little bit, but generally, I working from home wasn't as as usual.
0: What was the biggest challenge that you did encounter in those kind of early years of juggling?
3: When Finn turned two in his first nursery in Kentish Town, which had been a really good nursery, and um, we had had early years funding. But obviously as has seizures had become more difficult, had the early years funding, but that stopped as soon as the child turned two because they could then get the education and healthcare plan. So in fairness to this nursery, they introduced us to the idea of this EHCP. And um, they said that that was, you know, how you then needed to go and get more funding from our local authority. They started it when Finn had turned two it clashed with the summer months. So like nobody was there to do their flipping reports, right? So then they're supposed to do it within a time frame; It's legally required. Um, also, there was cuts at that point in time. Um, it just became a really, really elongated process. And um, eventually they then did produce a report. And that report said that, that he needed a one-to-one. And um, we hadn't really anticipated that. I just don't think I was aware of these he didn't areas know. I just didn't yeah. know right so then I we also were really happy with the nursery and we had said oh we definitely want him to keep going there he loves everybody everybody loves him it's right around the corner from our house you know it's you know that's where we want to go um and while we were doing all this Finn had turned to he'd had so many complex seizures he'd been in hospital so many times Finn was on all the kind of the the drugs that were for Dravet syndrome, which are all very complex drugs. It's a concoction of about three main medications, but it wasn't really doing what it was supposed to do. You know, he had uncontrolled seizures. He was still going into status frequently, but a new drug was emerging for a trial opportunity. Um, so the only thing that was open to us, we then embarked on this drug trial. All at the same time, it's like the EHCP. Yeah, I was going to say. We're starting this drug. So Finn's just turned two. We're doing this EHCP. We were just embarking on signing the documents that Gosh to do this drug trial to help with the seizure control. The complexity Jesus of his seizures were just—they were just changing. Just you know, just there and then, you know. There's nothing else coming on online here that is, is going to help him. So we were we were freaking desperate. <laughs> and then the nurse the nursery turned around and said, "We are refusing to be Finn's name setting on his AHCP." and Fuck. i was, oh I was like holy fucking shit all this time you're working the entire time. i'm working the whole time and um well okay we'll go balancing it but like um, at this point marcus had started his own business and um, so you've got
2: that uncertainty massive as well.
3: uncertainty as well yeah he started his
2: i'm counting five different things of what
3: you're going through we at one time we're just crawling and then, yeah, when they said, Finn, we won't be Finn's name setting. And they sent the like the letter they sent. Because they sent it, the worst bit about it was they'd sent it to say, I'm sorry, we won't be Finn's name setting. They also said, and you've got a four-week notice, by which point they'd already given it to Camden. So we had something like a two-and-a-half-week notice of Finn being refused to go to that nursery. I was just so, so frigging pissed off because the letter was just like um he's just his needs are too much they literally said he'd regressed you know nobody had said he'd regressed it also said we can't take him in our nursery because his seizures are getting worse he's deteriorating and it stresses our staff
0: stresses the staff
3: stresses the staff yeah and also that um went through this friggin list of things like the nursery he's in at the moment is for toddlers and he's getting too big and boisterous now he's going to go into the older children's Mm -hmm. and then he's going to knock into them and it's going to it's going to basically hold them back was pretty much what it said it was discrimination right (laughs) and I was so angry about it at the time but I actually didn't have the friggin energy or the time
0: not surprisingly
3: about it like, I couldn't do anything about it. And I was just so pissed off. I was That's so I was shit. Really, I was just, yeah, it was just so, so shit. And um,
0: it's so unfair. It's just like,
3: I mean, like, we can talk about unfair all the time, but it, it's
0: it was so, so, so fucking unfair.
3: unfair. And then I realized, then suddenly this kind of thing started filtering through Finzy HCP that, you know, how am I going to get him into another nursery? What are we going to do? Where can he go? We had been allocated a really amazing key worker. And I remember just going into her office and just frigging crying because I suddenly realised that there, I can't see how we can't work. We're being penalised for work, you know, working and having a disabled child. And there was literally, it seemed to me that there's no other outlet. I'm like, this is the worst possible moment that's happening right now. And um, we're getting no no help. I had to talk to Ipsia, you know, they, they're, a, they, they help, you know, in kind of the legal things around. um and,
0: and funding. Yeah. We'll put the, the details in the show notes. Yeah. They're a charity, aren't they?
3: Yeah. They're a charity and they have like legal advice and things like that. I mean, you can donate to them apparently, you know, if you're so so inclined, but they were actually very good as well, but they said it's very unusual a local authority to give more than 15 hours to a two-year-old um but you know they are late in giving you the placement and everything and you know they're in delay um you should push them put your case to them and they helped me write a letter because writing a letter like that's quite demanding isn't it but like ipsia and quite a lot of other organizations do have template letters so you know, I, I did kind of pen the letter. Yeah. Anyway, Finn was unwell. It was the middle of December. I think we'd got the, you know, he'd had seizures. we would spent the night in the Royal Free. It was the 14th of December, the next day of my birthday. Oh, and then I just woke up in the Royal Free and I got the phone call for them and they said, they'd give me 30 hours. And I went, thank you, God. And by that time, I'd found the nursery and they'd, they'd agreed and they'd given me advice on how we, they could get the one-to-one. We could work some hours and balance it out. So that was the 15th of December. It was like, oh, my God, that's the best thing that's just happened. And we got, we got discharged from the Royal Free. And it was my birthday. And it was my office Christmas party that night. <laughs> and off I went to the office and my entire team were still in there. But I sat there with them for two and a half hours. And then we went to the restaurant and had our Christmas dinner. <laughs>
0: I bet that felt so good. And on that note,
1: it's
3: I'm so
0: gonna top up, oh, top up. Top up your wine for a top up. Yeah, I know. Because it was a
3: positive. That was I'm really not sorry, perfect, that's a but a, no, that was a, it was a it was a positive day. It was like a turning point in that day. Yeah.
0: And it sounds yeah. like that. I mean, fucking hell, to go through all of that. It just really highlights the challenges of childcare.
3: That childcare thing, such a conundrum. It was a minefield, like a minefield of, you know, what what you could do. It just seemed that you were being discriminated against yeah, massively, you know, massively.
0: What was that stat that Rina quoted? It, it actually costs on average three times as much as well. Yep. So you're thinking it's costing more to like, I'm sure, you know, obviously there's massive variance in that, but it costs you more with a child with special needs and then you're being penalised because you're wanting to because go back we, part, part of that is because you having to pay for childcare potentially but the yeah. all the additional costs around finding the right support and people yeah. that you're like everyone obviously wants to trust somebody with their kids but when you've got somebody you need to trust with phone in ambulance for your child not like in a blue moon or a rare yeah. kind of freak event but something that is likely to happen quite
3: common yeah yeah
0: and following a medical protocol and then yeah. you have to go through a fight to get a place for that child in that setting and and the funding oh i just it sounds horrific i'm so sorry you Yeah, went through yeah. All of that helen that's horrible but like th- thomas horrible.
3: forum was such an amazing nursery
0: happy ending
3: so it actually it was a happy yeah. ending yeah like really it was a happy ending and um not long after the 15th like later on in december they let us off the drug trial and then we were actually switched on to definitely getting the drug which was another bit of a win but it was just a pretty pretty it was just a horrendous period and actually marcus would still say he's kind of scarred scarred Mm. from that you know he would say you know ptsd and although i was like it's sustained you know it's not like it's post-traumatic stress disorder it's like just keep on going stress disorder but you, you can know. still
0: internalize that trauma it's yeah uh, and there are that's degrees true. of trauma that you can yeah. go through it sounds it sounds yeah
3: horrific. yeah it was but yeah but and work was that, supportive kind of, all the way through work know? was really supportive and I guess I mean I know it's been I'm lucky on that you know that I mm-hmm. was had been with that company for a while and we were like a little community um and they were just, they were really supportive, you mm. know, like even my team were really supportive. They were all just lovely, lovely people. And how um,
0: do you, sorry to, to interrupt, but how do you, I, I guess, I guess it's um to some extent the support when you're in a more emergency situation, I can imagine is these are supportive individuals that you've worked with a long time you know that you can't say no to somebody or be difficult about somebody going to meet the um the ambulance that's come to get their son you'd imagine but then the the more kind of mundane stuff how did you manage that in that period or post then the kind of therapies the interventions do you find that as easy and supportive to to get through yeah
3: I think when you kind of the, when you um, you read the advice, don't you the ask people to you know try to get your appointments at times that suits, that suit you. So I guess we're kind of fortunate in that we don't live that far away from our hospitals. Mm. Um, I think to that point I probably feel a little bit tied to London. I, <laughs> I, I ask them for separate appointments. So we used to have to go and get bloods for Finn. I would ask for that at 8am in the morning. And then I would try and get some of the general, um, some of the other general kind of bits and pieces done at that same visit. We also had to do an echocardiogram, which is, you know, the the scan of the heart. (laughs) It's really, I mean, that's horrendous because Finn would have been, you know, first of all, Finn has ADHD and lying down, um with Finn is like absolute challenge, right? So I would separate that echocardiogram from the other appointment because it's just too much for a small child to deal with anyway. So I would try and get that nine o'clock appointment and um then if there were questionnaires or anything, I would go there after work on my own where I wasn't, you know, we're having to be distracted by Finn as well. Um, And I would do them there. But I was very fortunate in that my work is only like 15 minutes away from gosh. And also in those early years the nursery which wouldn't have been by our house but it was right beside gosh so I could actually get him to nursery by you know by about 10 30 or 11 o'clock and you could nip back and forth if you had to um but generally uh, I would have got those appointments in early the only kind of thing around that was that the consultant part of that appointment could be at any point so I'd be like literally kind of going that consultant is causing me delay (laughs) um but then I'd have to like catch myself on because that consultant could literally have been in an ICU with a very sick child right and I'm going where is he um but yeah or her her, you know but um and also they're very busy saving small children right so (laughs) so I had to kind of Script, I love but, that you um, managed
0: the shit out of it though. I love that you, wait but I like, I, I never have oh, been yeah. successful in, in,
3: I'm, honest, in that.
0: Yeah. I'm better, better, than, you know, I'm better than I once was. But yeah, I love that you looked at different ways of doing it. I guess because you had to, right? So like you break down the appointments, you and logistically make it work for yourself. It's, um, yeah,
3: it was easier weekend. to do multiple mornings in the one week then do it all at once you yeah. know that was like Take that was like the least the then. least impactful on everything including finn because that's just too much. like you know i you know he i mean he is adhd you know he has adhd and um you know we literally just be running around that crf back and forth you know so <laughs> uh causing chaos um so um yeah they um they would let us do that and fair, and quite a few other parents did it actually um, but you need to be fortunate enough to be nearby, right? Because if yeah. you're travelling to GOSH, you obviously can't do that. But, um,
2: I actually but recently was able to. So obviously, so my story is I'm now back at work. Um, I took a six-year hiatus because of having a disabled child and all of the shit that comes with that. But I just this week, uh, so lewis going in for surgery and, and you know how you have to go in to do a pre-anaesthetic assessment. with with the anesthesiologist or whatever and I find those appointments such a waste of time especially if they've been under anesthetic at gosh multiple times in the last six years so the woman called me on the phone like oh can you come in on this date um middle of the day and I was like um no and she's like well if you don't agree then we can't go ahead with the surgery bear in mind the surgery is like the most important surgery of her little life at the moment yeah yeah so I cannot miss it. And then I was like, okay, do you have an appointment after five? She's like, no, cause he doesn't work after four. And I was like, right. It's times of COVID have changed the way things go. I want a video or a phone call consultation. I said, cause it's a waste of my time for me to come in and sit down and have a 10 minute chat for him to just agree that she's fine for anesthetic." She's like, right. Okay. I'm going to have to speak to him. She called me back 10 minutes later and was like, yeah, that's fine. We'll do Perfect. a video consultation probably suits
0: yeah. them more That's anyway great. if it's yeah, medically absolutely. not an
2: imperative no yeah. not at all that and it's like you know, i think covid things. has like yeah covid has massively changed massively i've done this um over covid as well because obviously self-isolation and all of that stuff where we had a couple of like endocrinology ones um where they're it's, on video know like, yeah. yeah they they wanted her to come in but i was just like no, I'm not yeah. going into a hospital, definitely not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now I know that it can work and it's worked and I will always ask for video concert if I feel like there's no point in us travelling all the way. Not that it's far, but it's just such a waste. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, so that I'm very proud of myself. That's brilliant. <laughs>
0: well done, just to give my story as well. So kind of similar to you, Helen, I worked in the same organisation for... Over ten years before B was born, um, and then, and, and I'd gone back there in between Olivia and B as well. So I'd kind of worked maternity, gone back, went on maternity with B, took an extra year like a career break. Work were incredibly supportive in terms of all the options of leave that I could take. I was fortunate enough that Patrick's could support us, so I could take extra time off. But when I went back, I think I just felt so much guilt all the time that I was failing as a mother and I was failing in a work context that I saw it that that would I guess maybe I couldn't think clearly about being as assertive with hospitals because it was like well I need to be there and maybe as well because she was that much younger because it was a while back that I was less kind of savvy about what how to navigate the system. Yeah, and and what was required and what wasn't required like described Rina. so i think i just felt i was kind of fucking it all up so i was like when i when i had an opportunity to be Either. with b and do the appointments and stuff i would try and navigate that with work which and i always found it really I and mean, again it was pre-covid so i always found it really tricky um to you know it was always the appointments I don't know for whatever reason they'd always be there was very little choice and they'd be in the middle of the day at multiple different mm-hmm. hospitals So my job was um management consultant and an accountant very, very sad to confess that I'm an accountant by background <laughs> my words, and I work in kind of finance. But I was fortunate in that I I guess I was a level of seniority as well where it was I had a team. So I could tell my team and manage my own diary and say I'm gonna be out this time. But then how I think Helen referred to it earlier you kind of need to be there you know like you need to be there with the team and there's like a level of support that you can't give if you're in a waiting yeah. room in a hospital and then I always had clients and was expected to to go to the client again this is in the context of a work and you know and people who I worked for that were incredibly supportive but it just wasn't the uh work environment that that suited that level of flexibility. Maybe it does now post-COVID, I don't know. I mean, it was interesting. I actually quit my job before COVID happened, my, my paid job, let's be clear. I do yeah. lots of jobs right now Um, on my previous career. And when I went in to have the meeting with my boss, um, she thought it was a discussion about my promotion trajectory. So my like route to- So she office. didn't see it coming at all? No. And I think wow, okay. I think that's illustrative of a few things. One, that, that it was like, a, it was an environment where there wasn't that, it wasn't easy to sit back and coast and like, mm-hmm. that, you know, coasting is the wrong word, but it wasn't a sort of clock in, clock out environment. There was an expectation that everybody wanted to push on in their career to like move to the next level. Um, you know, a very kind of corporate career driven culture and 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 maybe it has changed I don't know but but then I think it says a bit about me as well I think combine that with somebody who's a bit of a perfectionist about what they yeah. were, like it sounds wanky to say perfectionist but you're like I'm going to do something I'm going to do it properly um mm-hmm. and quite ambitious and competitive and driven so you put all of that together and then it's very hard to strike any sort of balance or be able to manage that flexibility I felt like so a lot of it was on me you know yeah I yeah. just couldn't figure out a way of like working flexibly but I was working <laughs> part-time as well which it's interesting what you were saying Helen about working five days I had managed to agree to an arrangement that I'd work three days a week um for that period which on paper was great but then actually when the appointments come in or the needs of the child are in those three days suddenly yeah. you know you've got two weeks work where you're like actually I'm out that afternoon and I'm out that morning and then so then yeah you know, the reality is I would then flip my days and work other days but I think eventually it got to the point where I was working kind of six days a week um I was traveling I was going abroad um and I was just like the guilt was just oh just i'm um, doing a gesture which isn't great for a podcast it was just mounting <laughs> up and i was kind of um building inside of me and yeah it just i was waking up at like three in the morning thinking just worrying about b and you know what what's the future hold for, you know all the yeah, 3 yeah, yeah kind of thoughts um i think it just one 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 night when i was having those thoughts and thinking what a terrible mother I was that I was like outsourcing some of her care and you know all that shit I um yeah and and no one was doing as good a job as I could do and well, <laughs> because I yeah there's the control freak perfectionist coming in <laughs> um but yeah as I was having those thoughts I was thinking but actually like some I had a moment of clarity and epiphany that I wasn't actually really enjoying my job so, like, hang on, why why am I doing it? And, yeah, I'm very lucky that I was able to make that decision, but why am I doing this job that I'm not really enjoying? Um, yeah. And, like, sacrificing what I feel I should be doing for my daughter.
3: Yeah, so yeah.
0: It became kind of blindingly obvious. Of course, now I feel like, well, having walked away from that job, I don't have regrets about that, but my kind of identity was so entwined with that world and that job for such a long time it's really I don't know I, mean, I suspect you maybe felt this uh, for, mm-hmm. for those six years you that kind of loss yep. of identity other side of you that identity yep. of more than a mum or another role in side <laughs> of a mum yeah or Kara. yeah exactly
2: yeah I had the exact so I had the complete opposite to the both of you so what <laughs> Lua was born obviously she was in hospital as listeners may know or not know but she was in hospital for seven months until she stabilised enough for us to bring her home and even then she was ventilated 24 hours a day we had overnight care which we still do all of the bits that made it impossible for me to go back to work there was just no way that I could go back to work because my partner was obviously working full-time in banking so it's very much like a nine-to-five office based no flexibility mm-hmm. at all even when Lil was born he took two weeks paternity leave and then I think just for his own peace of mind and his own sanity I think he just found it easier to go back to work and concentrate on that and be away from the hell that was going on in the hospital and just whether she'd live through the night or whatever. So. He was concentrating on that while I was concentrating on Lua. And for the first three years, I was so into being there, being giving her the whole thing in my mind was like, I'm going to try and give her the best opportunity to survive and get to a point where she is independent. And so that was like my main goal. So then when she started going to nursery at three, even though it took me six months to leave her, in the nursery. I went to nursery with Lua eight, six hours a day, five days a week, because yeah. I just could not let go. And I was terrified just with the trackie and the bits. I was like, yes, okay, you're all trained people, but I just don't trust you enough. And that trust needed to be earned. So I stayed for six months. And then I suddenly had six hours a day to just do nothing. And that yeah. was the first time in up to that point three and a half years yeah and I think it took me two years to like get over the trauma and to just understand everything I'd gone through and make peace with it and just be I know it sounds really cheesy but be at one with my life now Mm -hmm. Acceptance, and acceptance yeah. yeah acceptance and just be like right this is this is it and I think as we all know like when you're going through hell you just go through it and you don't really think you're kind of like a horse with the like the, the eye thingies, blinkers the blinkers, blinkers. You, you're yeah, just yeah. going on and on and on and on and on and it's years and then once it's stabilized enough you sort of go shit that was heavy and I yeah, I, yeah it just took me a while and then the guilt from the other end is like shit I've just what have I what am I doing with my life who am I what do I want do I even know what I want and all of those insecurities come up to the surface so for me it took a really long time to have enough confidence to say right I'm now ready to put myself in the working world and six years out of the working world Massive knock to the confidence. Like, you just don't even know what the working world is like. What is it like to even be in an office? Have things changed? What are people even like? What do you talk about? Because Mm -hmm. I've surrounded myself with the SEN community for so long. Yeah. Like, how do you even have a conversation with somebody who hasn't gone through something so traumatic? Yeah.
3: How do you make make friends? How How do you make
2: friends with
3: friends? with normal people? Right? It's like Sucking i, I normal.
2: Yeah. <laughs> fucking normal. Happened, yeah. We're fucking normal. We're fucking normal. Ah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. But I am now a copywriter. I work for I work in the beauty industry. It's Fab. And the company that I work for, I think because COVID has changed the way the working world is, I think, especially in the company that I now work for. They are so forward thinking in terms yeah. of like working from home and having flexibility, major flexibility. And I'm not talking about having flexibility for me because I have a child that's disabled and they have to understand, you know. They're flexible with everybody, they're big on mental health and having mental health days. And I mean, here's a random fact we've got. Um, therapy puppies coming into the office tomorrow
0: oh okay. Oh, can yeah. i
2: come and see one please i want to it's, get a therapy dog this is
0: part of my plan. <laughs> anyway okay. i've got like I've i will got, okay
2: i will tell you all what kind of breed they are and the company and all of that so it's, it's so amazing lovely. they are and i think i was so honest with the director and my boss in like the initial interview stages like this is my situation i'm gonna need total flexibility and they were on board immediately and I think both of them had said and they're women as well so I think women just have a deeper understanding of what it is to be a, a mother um, and, and look we keep using the term work
0: and I like I don't believe that work is just these paid jobs or careers that we have oh, yeah, like there's shitloads of work that we all do yeah it's unpaid um you know whether you get allowance for it, benefits for it or not it's shitloads that we do and that whole thing about identity that you talked about, that six years of Reno, I definitely have gone through a lot of that since finishing my paid job. I think yeah, I struggle with it still, but I'm trying to get better at understanding my value is not tied up to how much money I can bring into the household. I don't know. I mean, I
3: I don't know, I frequently say I go to work for a break. <laughs> and is that true? Do you feel like work Well, is no, a break? sometimes Sometimes you go, you feel like work's a bit of a brick, right? You can have like a her, like a very challenging weekend. And you come into work and you go, oh, oh, this is good. I can do some emails, I can achieve a few things, but I'm sitting on my ass doing it, or I might be walking around a building site or something, but I'm it's you know, it's got a certain pace to it. A yeah. level of control. It's within a control. level of control. Yeah. So I'm just that sometimes it can
2: be an easier option, right? Yeah. I think that's why, like, Arbs went back to work so quickly. I think he needed that break away from what was going on and that work gives him that stability of, like... And he's quite a control freak as well, so I think it worked really well. But now that that I'm working, I totally see it as well. Like, if I've had a long weekend with Lou and then going into the office, I always go in on a Thursday, so that means that I've done a weekend with her and then Monday to when monday to wednesday i'm doing all the bits with her in the evening all the baths and the feedings and and then on thursday is like a relaxed day (laughs) yeah a
0: reward going to the basically going going into work
2: is a reward yeah i love it i love it (laughs) you know it's um
3: yeah it can just be it's a change as well right it's a bit of a change of you know that that caring role can be very demanding and you know and is a lot of kind of very repetitive or very extreme different things you know and then you can go into work and in fairness actually I think from having Finn and having such major trauma at very different points I deal with I deal with um like you know those challenges and work like oh right okay then we'll just We'll deal with that. Now True, then, perspective. <laughs> it's perspective. Whereas I might have been like running around like a headless chicken before, you know? Now I'm like, okay, well, that sounds a bit challenging, but we'll just look at it for you. Yeah, you know, it, it, you do, you just, I think you grow as a person, right? So, I
0: remember being in a, a, I used to do a call from from the nursery with the like the management team and they would be gossiping, right? And having this like chit chat. But I was sitting in the cafe in the nursery going, I need to go. Oh, the up. Up. Like I'm. Um, like. it made me the most assertive kind of annoying
1: yeah, yeah, person yeah. for
0: them to listen chop, to Chop, you. chop, Right. So is there yeah. an actual fucking action there? I wouldn't swear, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I might have done sometimes. Yeah, Check the project is there, manager. I, is there an action? Yeah. You guys have never seen this side of me, of course. But yeah, <laughs> Reena. I can project uh, manager. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Oh. I just, but yeah, like that sense of perspective on what's important I think really is great for like managing crises in the work environment and and so I once sat down with a um the organization I worked for that was this I was put in touch we actually had a special needs parenting group um oh wow <laughs> yeah because uh, it's so huge but um I met the, the lady who founded that I remember sitting down with her when B was really small and talking about kind of coming back to work and what it was like and she had listed all the skills that you learn as a special needs parents that are just so fucking valuable for any work environment um and can you know the amount of navigating of systems and kind of persuasive skills that you need the amount of assertiveness and ability to deal with the crises i mean you can like i can't remember all the things on her list but you can just we can all think of things that you have had to learn how to do that clearly in all manner of work environments are incredibly valuable but I just don't how do you convey that to people it's 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 great for your own kind of I guess maybe to build your confidence going back into work but I'm not sure that people truly understand how much you kind of learn and grow
3: and develop just by by Performing. being a special needs parent yeah. exactly
0: mm-hmm.
3: and i think yeah we need to tell them all they're amazing and they need to realize this right yeah <laughs> yes 100
0: yes exactly you are amazing and you you don't like think of all the skills that you're building even if you are having time out from work you know paid work in whatever job or field that you want to pursue i think the other thing that i remember doing was uh, so before i went back after my kind of extended period of maternity would be I did actually shop around a bit and looked at some other jobs thinking that maybe it wasn't the right environment to go back into that consulting environment Mm -hmm. I remember getting the advice from one of the recruitment agents to not kind of lay it all out there
3: oh Mm -hmm. really
0: yeah um I had the same advice recently when I was fucking ridiculous I mean yeah. I know like, it's a really wanky phrase, but whatever happened to bring the whole whole person to work or whatever the, like the phrase is.
2: I think for me, he said to word it as if you were a person assistant type role, because really he, he kind of implied that it's not looked down upon, but just caring doesn't have the same level of weight Jesus, you think
3: COVID would totally have changed that,
2: right? Yeah, this is post-COVID, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, so you did a caring role. Four months, yeah. It was just crazy, crazy. But, I mean, I listened to his advice and I got interviewed. So things need to change, I think, massively in terms of that.
0: Has it been better since COVID, do you think, Helen, like with the context of kind of pre and post in the same work
3: environment? Um. I think definitely post COVID just that ability to be working at home and things like that is much easier. And that ability to have, as you, as you mentioned also, like just the, you know, hospital appointments by a phone is like, that's fabulous. Right. (laughs) But but yeah, no, just even talking to, you know, you can have phone calls while you're walking, you know, Mm -hmm. like I remember doing that early COVID, you know, when there was, no help and no schools like I don't know we probably don't want to get into a COVID discussion right because that's a whole different show isn't it but
0: <laughs> yeah we'll do an episode that, on that
3: but yeah yeah that was like horrendous how are we supposed to work and try to look after a you know a child you know Finn doesn't watch the television that must have been so hard
0: so that was COVID I guess Finn's back in school full time, and there's more face-to-face uh, work. Um, how how is juggling all the different Helens now in this world?
3: Um, yeah, all the all the all the different types of Helens. God, well, God, <laughs> God help the planet, right? But yeah, yeah. I guess like mum, mum, Helen. Obviously, Finn is back at school, and um, I guess school is is normalizing you know they are starting school at this the, the proper time he he uh you know rather than you know starting late he finishes the proper time we have school holidays so you have to just manage manage all of that and do the school drop-offs and get the get the after-school care and try and sort all that out and just me and Marcus take taking turns to get finn to school we we try to get our exercise in by taking him to school so we We are like the freak parents who run our child to school. We have like a a jogging. are so hardcore. I love it. We have like a jogging buggy that Finn fits into. He is getting too big for it. And you can see a few people looking at us going, You do know your child is pretty big for that buggy. Um, But (laughs) you do get a lot of that street cred. You get a lot of people telling you, Wow, that's impressive. Um, It is a sight. I
2: have to admit, it
0: is a sight. (laughs) You run uphill with the buggy with Finn in the buggy right
3: yeah so, i know yeah you, the, the, um, he is 25 kg yeah so it is a bit of a it's i actually reckon i'd be all right in a building site you know with those wheelbarrows just yeah <laughs> lug, lugging things around um but yeah that's how we get Finn to school and um obviously because it is a special needs school it's not like i mean i don't know my friends who have who work and have kids you know they have breakfast clubs they have after school clubs yeah. you know, they think, do all those kind of things, whereas special needs schools, they don't really, there's not really that that afternoon wrap, there's no wraparound, wraparound. care. I suddenly yeah. realize that wraparound care isn't really available to us. So um Finn does, we do have about three different child minders or carers that look after Finn after school. So we do drop them off, so we do get to work, we take it in turns, three days, two days. And um, try to balance it out. Sometimes some meetings creep in and you have to do a bit of bartering. So, me and Marcus do the bartering the night before, which is generally over <laughs> a glass of wine. And I go, I accidentally got booked into a meeting tomorrow. <laughs> 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 Would you be able to do the school drop off? and oh. uh yeah sometimes it's a fine and sometimes it's yeah you know we've just then you're into a barney a barney situation but uh, <laughs> <I> <laughs> um had
0: those, for yeah.
3: sure <laughs> tried pre we do try to pre-plan and um try to do the same day through each week but yeah so so we do try to balance that out so we do do the school drop-offs and it is quite nice because you get to spend that little bit of time with finn and he actually really loves going along the canal or uh, you know running along the canal running through the park to school you know he does he quite enjoys it he just likes he likes the motion he likes the, the wind in his wind. yeah because he just like <laughs> oh, he just he gets the sense to back you know so he does really enjoy it and he like screeches down the canal and I'm like the ducks are getting freaked out Finn um but yeah no <laughs> He, he really does. So we do, yeah we we do drop him off and that's kind of our our big thing and then in the evenings he has um his he has carers who take him back there are actually teaching assistants from his school so we did kind of we lucked out there he doesn't get bathed every night because I just can't um not
0: necessary I can't manage to get not that, necessary. that
3: level I, right yeah it's, it's not necessary and, it's uh, like
0: letting some of this stuff go I think is yeah, really exactly. important it's yeah, like it you can put can't, way too much pressure on yourself and the whole family and you know it's not it, it, it's yeah it's priorities and perspective again it just comes back to it doesn't it yeah I think I'm really guilty of like trying to do everything yeah. and having to like have a word with myself and you know decide what's going to give cuz you can't you can't you can't you can't do everything about what right. the whole family's going to eat and what you know that everyone's had their nails cut like
3: although I did cut like, these bees,
0: bees! nails get really long before like cuz it grows so quickly they grow so fast uh-huh.
2: um, I get freaked
3: out by how fast nails grow It's uh, like what
2: Do you know how I know when it's it's nail cutting time. Is when Louie's got a big gash on her face. Then I'm like, oh, oh that, that it is, yeah, yeah that time. is true. They do scratch, and time. that's not good. She scratches. Oh, they scratch
3: you as well.
2: Yeah. I, I'm
0: like, all yeah. right. In just... water, oh my god.
3: <laughs> yeah, no. In a pool
0: or something. That is the worst.
3: No, I just got yeah. scratched. Yeah. No, yeah. So um, and then so you
0: have got it sorted, basically. More than, than it sounds like. <laughs> <I've> <laughs> nailed it.
3: it. Our big thing is we have to get as meds, you know, so like morning you have to do as meds, evening you have to do as meds, that's the big thing, isn't it? So if we, um, you know, you have to be home to do meds or you have to set them up for somebody else to do the meds, you can write a dissertation on what those meds are, mixing those meds, giving those meds, how to give those meds, if Finn doesn't want to take them, this is what you might have to do, that kind of thing. Yeah, and then it's, he he actually can't self-settle. Finn to go to sleep I mean is obviously a big issue we can all talk we could probably talk about that for ages but Finn doesn't self-settle so we have to put him to bed generally every night which can take a bit of time so I quite often sing to him and I can't sing so that poor child has to listen to me singing, singing.
0: <laughs> do you want to give uh, us a little rendition
3: or no I won't no <laughs> well, Lauren um okay, but I know no, a lot no. of
0: songs I know a lot of
3: stuff. I know it puts him to sleep, time. it must be beautiful. Put it puts sleep, yeah, yeah, no, put puts him to sleep. And it's like kind of some sort of self-meditation sometimes, you know? And then you yeah. get that little moment when he falls asleep, and you're like, you are the most beautiful child there is in the world.
0: I'm and I, really sleeping. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go too negative, but like Finn does, class, he has cluster seizures, so... Uh, my big thing is it's it's the kind of the repetitive fashion of it so every couple of weeks he will have cluster seizures where he you know he'll have maybe eighteen seizures during one night so he'll start that uh you know he'll go to bed and he'll maybe twenty minutes after he falls asleep he'll start having a a, a seizure a, a seizure and um you know the, he generally they self terminate so they stop themselves so they'll maybe only last about a minute and a half so we don't have to give him the kind of recovery drugs, but he'll have more throughout the night. So then, you know, he's that's exhausting
0: he's for him and yeah. for you.
3: Yeah, it's really exhausting for him. And he also can become quite, quite tormented through that period. Cause obviously he's obviously having just little brain activity probably right, right through the night, you know, but, um, yeah, that's really exhausting. And then he just doesn't really sleep. So you don't really sleep. So, um, but you have to get up for the next day right and he mm. actually wakes up and wants to leave the house he actually frequently wants to leave the house in the middle of that night because he he's so tormented <laughs> by it he kind of wants to leave his he wants to leave wherever he is you know you can see he's yeah. so tormented. he wants to leave his body he wants to leave the bedroom and then he wants to leave the house and he like will go downstairs. he he doesn't have the balance right so you have to be right with him because it's really quite dangerous because he's quite attacked you know he's he has poor balance. He's a toxic, and especially when he's having this the seizure activity, he um, he just wants to get yeah, out, the of, fuck out, get the fuck out, right? Yeah, exactly. And his safe space is is either like in his bed, which is clearly not a safe space for him when he's not that well. So he wants to get in that the buggy, the buggy. Yeah. is safe space. So he will go downstairs and get in that buggy. And then he just, he will grab you and take you to the front door. Like he, and then he'll get back in the buggy to go, I wanna go out. I'm like, it's three, you know, it could be like 2.30 a.m., 3.00 a.m. And you're like-
2: Have you ever taken him out? Yeah, have you ever taken him out? Yeah, go and be honest, you have.
3: I have never done it like past like 11 p.m. Really? I've taken him out at 5.30 a.m. Like I've taken him out a couple of times really early but I've kind of just gone, no, we can't go out at this time. We, we just can't do it. It's, we live in Camden for a start, you know, sometimes I <laughs> stand at the window and I'll look out and I'll go, wow, the street's pretty active. You know, there's stuff, stuff going on. Um, or I bet you that car doesn't really doesn't want me and my little son looking at them while they're probably doing something illegal, you know, but, yeah. um, <laughs> it's the street, rough streets of Camden, but um, he, um, yeah, no, that, that is, he does that, and then we are. I, I know a lot of families, you know, with epilepsy, and our friends that we all know that you know that does happen that they just have bad nights. And then the next day, if he has settled enough, we'll take him to school. And um, we quite often take him to school because the school obviously has health care in the school, yeah. Um, and they're obviously trained to look after him if they know if he's going to be so upset in school that they'll just phone us and we'll come get him yeah you just have to you have to sleep with them and you have to monitor them all and also you have apps you have like apps on your phone to monitor the number of the seizures the length of the seizures um so that you can pass that information on so so quite often you kind of just wake up you make sure it's okay you roll over you press your phone you put the information (laughs) and then you roll back and you go to sleep and you suddenly realize you can go to sleep between quiet you know so you get yourself in this kind of i need to sleep um mm-hmm. asleep then you realize you've woken up press the phone again and then the next day you wake up and you realize you press the phone like four times in two hours or something but you know you went back to sleep for those like little 15 minutes sometimes you, pilot. you do it's like
0: pilot. you're normal you're, you're fucking yeah, normal almost it's you it's literally
3: fucking normal for those days and that absolutely sucks and it really sucks for finn And um, I'd quite like to get a better grasp on it. But at the moment, there just doesn't seem to be the medications out there to do it. And he's also developed not eating for those periods. So he doesn't eat or drink for maybe two to three days. And that's put us under a bit of crisis situation recently because he's been dehydrated twice to hospital admission levels. But we're trying to get that a bit balanced and we're about to go to see um, an Eat, eating specialists he we had tonsillitis myself and him last October and I couldn't eat but I, obviously mm. I have the kind of the, the you know the
0: you know I mean I know, you know that you, you but, have to yeah, yeah exactly
3: whereas he just went no it hurts I'm not eating anything yeah so he didn't enough. eat anything yeah exactly so he's oh. kind of some sort of association about when he doesn't feel well that he's decided he doesn't want to eat or drink so that's a little bit
0: support on that that's yeah
3: exactly so we've raised it with everybody and um yeah so we just have these bad moments for those couple of days every couple of weeks and um you just get through it right i want have learned
0: about learning it's it's just yeah like you say it's learning
3: you just learn to manage it right i mean i'm not Mm -hmm. And I can go to work and be effective. Like, well, not okay. <laughs> when I say I'm sure I you're think more than effective. effective i probably impressive. I'm, I'm probably not as effective excellent. as I was wanting to. But um, I can go to work and function like the next day. But no, um, if it goes yeah. over that period of time, you have to start to address it. You know, you, you can't keep going. You know, I might not do a 10K run that day, you know, or I might not run at all. <laughs> and I uh, might drink an awful lot of coffee and maybe eat a lot of Haribo or something, you know. So it's just all the little things you get to do to kind of get through and then you just have to take it easy and possibly, you know, not drink too much to make sure you get good quality sleep and that kind of thing. Um, Helen,
2: what do you do, like, in terms of, like, the, that cheesy thing of, like, self-care? Like, what I- what is it that you do for you? Because you're an incredible amazing superwoman mother the whole shebang but what running is 100 something that you do but what else is it when you've had those shitty couple of days what is it that you do to just take a step back and be like right I need this what is it for you
3: um yeah it's probably just that chill out on the couch maybe that glass chill. of wine just that literally just sit on my couch and sometimes I think, God, I wish I could have better. I probably should spend a lot of money on a couch because my couch isn't even that good, right? But I do really enjoy sitting there with my remote control. And I don't even watch decent TV because I quite often can't I struggle to commit to programs. So I literally just last night I watched two episodes of Travel Man and I really, really fucking enjoyed it. It's not <laughs> my own. And I just had a little glass of white wine. And then that wasn't like post a massive seizure cluster post a massive seizure cluster all I really want to do is, is is sleep.
0: You guys are amazing in how you try and strike a bit of a balance.
3: I do think we've get definitely got a balance and I feel like we've had a balance for like the last couple of years. I mean it's peaks and troughs and at the moment you know we are there's something new happening a little bit in terms of his not eating and drinking. But I think we'll, you know, we'll we'll deal with that because we know we've dealt with things before. Um so it's almost that you've kind of learned through experience that you know you can hopefully solve these things. But also we've kind of accepted that, you know, Drave Drave syndrome and just you know Finn's illness and condition, going to chuck stuff at us, you know, and it's going to continue to do that. So it's like we can't plan stuff. But, like, we can, like, just try to. (laughs) Because that's all you can do, right? Just try to. Just try and be flexible about it and um, hope for for the best, right? Um,
2: Because you don't want to stop. Amazing. Amazing, Helen. So, Helen, you've listened to our podcast and you know that we always end with a hashtag awkward. So, what's yours? Um, I
3: actually had quite a few of hashtag awkwards. I thought I could choose from <laughs> but the one I'm selecting for you is um, I told you that Finn frequently goes to the clinical research facility in Great Ormond Street and um, he had a bit of a reputation when he was about two, three years old of having quite a lot of seizures um, potentially while he was in there so whenever we went in the nurses were on, on edge because they aren't actually that used to having a lot of kind of medical emergencies oh my gosh. so <laughs> so there was one day Finn and I went in Finn was in quite good form and um we go to the toilet and uh I've changed Finn done his nappy and everything but I decide I need the toilet too so I let my little toddler run walk around the the bathroom the next thing is he walks over to the wall and I'm like no don't go out the door Finn don't go out the door and he turns around he hits the red triangle (laughs) oh no right well I am like oh my god the alarm goes massive alarm and the next thing I am pulling up my pants and I am like standing there and there's about three nurses in the toilet (laughs) and I went he's fine he's fine (laughs) I'm not though (laughs) exactly it was quite funny
0: i'm sure they've i'm sure
3: they've seen it before I, I'm, I'm sure, sure they, it's happened well already. they are nurses they've seen it before i just didn't well, that's, to see it. well I'd hope they were just see in shock because they literally just arrived to work and the next thing is boom the alarm's going off and it's like oh my god finn's in the building
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing that's so good, that's that's a good that's so good oh
0: hello. awkward
3: moment um <laughs>
2: it was great nice. thank
0: you helen so much yeah thank you thank you so much for coming on the podcast and telling your story. No, I really so. enjoyed
3: chatting to you guys. It's good fun with my oh.
0: with my wine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And finally, to end, Helen, what is your fucking normal?
3: My normal, I guess. Every day since Finn was approximately five months old, I have watched with him. You Can't Stop the Feeling by Justin Timberlake on YouTube. And he is six and a half years old. So we are probably, yeah, creating a lot of cash for Justin Timberlake. (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
0: Well, it's been amazing, Helen. Thank you so much. Thank you, uh, Helen. Yeah, next time we'll see you in the pub. Thank you so much for listening to the Fucking Normal podcast we love making this podcast yes we do (laughs) we are part of a much bigger team almost exclusively all parents of disabled children and our goal is to reach as many people as possible and create a community of
2: support for parents and carers who share our experiences so if you've liked what you've heard please like and subscribe so that we can reach out to more people You can find more information on this and other episodes at fuckingnormalpodcast.com. That's F-K-I-N-G normalpodcast.com. You can join us on Facebook and on Instagram at fuckingnormal underscore podcast. That's F-K-I-N-G normal underscore podcast. You can get all the links and more information in the show notes below. So thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. We'll see you next time. Bye.
1: Wake me up loud as clouds